We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, if you want to open your Bibles there. So, um, Luke chapter 1, look what it says in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And so we've jumped right into the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. It says there in verse 26 that it was the sixth month. And, you know, if you're not careful, you might think, well, now we can kind of determine the, the time frame that Jesus was born. All we have to do is figure out whether it was a Jew, Jewish calendar or the Julian calendar, you know, and then we can just do the math. But it's not the sixth month in that sense. What it is, if you read the previous verses, is it's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. That was a relative of Mary. So in her sixth month, uh, then the angel Gabriel now goes to Mary. And so we don't know the exact day that Jesus was born. There might be some of you here who think you're brilliant and you figured it out. Um, But let me tell you, man, we've done research on this. I've searched this uh, back and forth. I know uh, students of scripture and history and astronomy, determining the the star and all that kind of stuff, have researched this for 2,000 years. They've not come, however, to a consensus. And so, you know, we don't know the exact date. I'm thinking that's probably not that important to God. What is important is that we celebrate him that we celebrate the fact that God came to us, that God came to earth, that God entered into space and time in order to save us from our sins so that people like my mom and my dad can go to heaven, so that you, we can know, we'll be you know, there in heaven one day reconciled to our loved ones. This is what Christmas is all about. It's not about the day. It's about the fact that he came. You know, how can this, I pray it would never get old in our heart. When you look at the account, it's amazing to me. The angel Gabriel, I believe he's probably an archangel. Um, The Bible doesn't explicitly state that, but I believe he is. I know he stands in the presence of God. So this is an angel sent uh, from God's holy throne to this crazy ghetto neighborhood called Nazareth. You know, and you know, now we know Nazareth is a prominent city only because he was called Jesus of Nazareth. And even his followers were called the Nazarenes. But the city in and of itself back then, let me tell you something, it was not on the map. You know, in, in all reality, a Nazareth was six miles off the main road. A Nazareth uh, was, had a population maybe a little bit over 400 people at the most. Um, Nazareth did not have a a good water source. The well that they did have was uh, defected. And so, you know, um, even, you know, they wondered when they found out that Jesus came from that. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right. And so it'd be kind of like, what's the smallest city in the United States of America? I, I don't know if you guys know that or not, but I, I did some research on it and I found out there is a city, the smallest city in the United States of America. Does anybody know what it is? All right, it's it's Herbert's 
Hibbert's Gore. That's the name of the city. Hibbert's Gore. And it's seven tenths of a mile big. And it is the home of the population of one person. (laughs) Her name is Karen Keller. Okay, so just in case you're wondering, and I did my research just to make sure it it was true. And, and to me, I thought it was appropriate. I'm like, here, here's the smallest city in the uh, United States of America, Hibbert Gore, and uh, home to one person. And as far as I'm concerned, in one sense, Nazareth was, was home to, to one person. Or oh, we'll just say three. You know, Joseph, uh, uh, Mary, and, and Jesus. But, but can you hear, you know, the angel Gabriel getting those orders? You know, I want you to go down to Nazareth. He's like, oh, i got to look that one up, you know. And not only is he sent to an insignificant city, but in all reality, he's sent to what the world would probably define as an insignificant teenager. No doubt she was poor in the world's terms. Uh, She didn't have the the, the fashion. She didn't have the haircut. She didn't have the trends. You know, she wasn't trendy according to the standards of Rome or Jerusalem. Most in the world would not esteem her, and yet God had chosen her to carry and care for, to bear and be the mother of his son in his humanity. Think about that. You know, she's a, a virgin, a betrothed to a man named Joseph, betrothal being similar to engagement, but more legally binding. And, the, you know, Luke tells us that Joseph was of the lineage of David, as actually both Luke and Mark, um, Matthew tell us that they trace the genealogy through the lineage of uh, David, because the good news is uh, he's our savior and he's our king. You know, the politicians, how many of you guys have figured it out? We still vote for the lesser of two evils, right? <laughs> we still vote for the, you know, the best candidate. And sometimes there are some really good guys there, not too often. But how many of you guys have figured out the fact that there ain't no politician on earth, no human being that's going to solve the world's problems? Have you guys figured that out? But Jesus will. And and just as today we're anticipating the coming of Christ, we see the signs everywhere. In those days, they were too. They were anticipating the coming, his first coming. And so it was that anticipation, it was in the air. And, you know, the angel is finally sent to, to Mary. And, and at first, the, 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 the angel's appearance and greeting was a little difficult for her to process. If you would look again, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But it says right here, when she saw him, she was troubled. What was she troubled at? She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, this is interesting. She wasn't troubled at his appearance, uh, although you would think that, you know, an angel, you know, splits the sky and comes into, you know, your night or whatever, your your life. You know, you might think that she'd be troubled at, at the appearance of the angel, but no, it says right there that she was troubled at the words. Uh, she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She began to wonder, as one translation said, about the meaning of the greeting. 
The New Living Translation even says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. It was an interesting thing when you think about it, and it kind of shows us a little bit about the heart of Mary, because, you know, the, the, the greeting seems to, like, you know, put her up on a pedestal. You know, um, you're, you're, you're favored, you're highly favored, you know, you're, you're blessed among women, and, and, and she just, that doesn't compute in her heart. She's like, no... That, that doesn't, I'm not that way. I mean, usually when an individual is a godly person, they don't think that they're all that, you know, great about themselves. I think that what kind of gets in the way of us being used by God is we think we're the greatest. I'm the greatest Christian. I'm the greatest, you know, guy, gal, teacher, pastor, whatever it is. You got to be careful with that. Mary, in this uh, greeting, uh, she didn't see herself the way that God saw her. But, you know, God is going to begin to work on her because eventually you do have to accept the grace that God gives. You know, right here where it says rejoice, highly favored one, it's a good translation, but you really do need to dig a little deeper in the original language. Literally in the Greek language, it's Cairo, uh, Kairito. Cairo, uh, Kairitu, and and both of those words are 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 related to another Greek word, which is charis, and that's grace. And, and so, basically, the word rejoice it means to delight in God's grace. It means to experience God's grace. It means to be conscious of God's grace. And so, when you're conscious of God's grace, then that brings you joy. And you know, because I don't know if you guys have figured it out yet but man it's the grace of god it's by the grace of god paul said in first corinthians fifteen ten, by the grace of god that i am what i am i'm never gonna dot every i i'm never gonna cross every t i'm never gonna hit the bullseye every single time i try i won't you know but i know god's favor on my life i know his grace his unmerited favor because of what jesus has done and when when that kind of sinks in you know there's that word rejoice so you rejoice uh in experiencing god's grace and then where there where it says rejoice highly favored one highly favored is rooted in being a receptive to god's grace and, and so the angel in one sense he's going to say i have an amazing calling on your life and you have to get a good grip of grace. I want you to have joy in the grace that you're going to experience that I'm going to lavish upon your life. And I, and I want you to ha- understand who you are as you accept this grace, as you accept Jesus Christ, that you are accepted in the beloved. As a matter of fact, that's the only other time in the New Testament where that Greek word is used. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And so that word accepted is the same Greek word, kairituo. And so, you know, what the angel is basically saying is, Mary, I have this grace upon your life. If, if any of you here have failed the Lord, and you come into church and you're barely kind of squeaking by, and you're like, I don't even know if I can, you know, go in there. And some people have different perceptions, like, you know, God's going to strike the building with lightning if I go in, or, you know, I'm definitely not worthy, you know, to serve or whatever this might be. And because you failed, understand that's where the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. 
Now, I'm not saying we go out and we sin on purpose because we're recipients of God's grace, but I'm just saying the Lord knows the heart, and if you've stumbled and failed and, you know, done all those things in the past, and, and for whatever reason, the enemy's trying to hold you back from serving the Lord because, you know, you're not worthy. Listen, this is, this is how it begins. The Bible says that Noah found grace in God's eyes. And, and when you have that understanding and this is calling upon Mary's life, you know, it's just a beautiful thing. Highly favored, Mary might wonder. How so? I'm just a, a very ordinary girl here in the small town of Nazareth. I, by, I'm by no means, you know, a perfect person. And you're saying that the Lord is with me, that I'm blessed among women? And so, you know, Mary's wondering. She's processing this. I have a hunch that Mary was one of those gals that in church she paid attention, that in church, and some of us, you know, we're wandering over here, we're wandering over there. I don't know why. I have a feeling that she's processing, she's tracking, she's listening, because she's listening to the content of what he's saying. And so, you know, the angel says, don't be afraid. More than likely, I mean, part of it is because of just her seeing the angel. But then... He's also going to see, I believe, don't be afraid because of what I have in front of you. In one sense, today's study can be kind of sliced up into three different things. Number one, salvation. Mary wouldn't have a chance of doing what she did until she knew the Lord. But, but after salvation comes the commission. And this is what we're reading about right here when the angel tells her, this will be your life mission. And then the third thing is submission. Will you submit to this? This is what I want you to do on planet Earth. This is why you're alive. I knit you together in your mother's womb for a purpose. You're going to make a difference. I'm going to use you to save souls. What if the guy that that I had as a friend when I used to work there, what if he never invited me to church? Then, I, then maybe I would have never gotten saved. You know, and then my dad wouldn't have got saved because I shared the Lord with him. And then my mom wouldn't have got saved because I shared the Lord with her. You know, and so, you know, the way that it works is that you, God uses you wherever he sends you to make a difference and now my mom and dad are, are in heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. But whatever you do, don't get sidetracked with, well, this is what the enemy wants you to do. This is what you want to do. This is what the world says you're supposed to do. No, it's very simple. What does God want you to do? What is your commission in life? You know, for Mary, we're going to see the angel says, don't be afraid uh, of the appearance but also don't be afraid of what I have for you in the future. I believe that's what we read there in verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And the word favor is the word charis. Again, it's just the word grace again. And he says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Don't be afraid, Mary. Here we go. Here we go. You ready? 
you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son, and he's going to be a special son. Uh, he's going to be great. He's the, going to be called the son of the highest. And, of course, we know who that is. That's, that's the Father God. He is the, the, the coming king, the descendant of David, the one to rule and to reign forever and ever. Of course, they would know this is in reference to the Messiah. Hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament, the Jews were anticipating the coming of the Messiah. She knew exactly who this was, and she had been chosen to bear the Messiah. And so what a glorious thing to consider you know just as we're waiting again like i said for the second coming of christ they were waiting for the first coming of the christ and so you know here we see this beautiful young lady you know again you know just like us just like you just like me you know we're we're just ordinary people there's nothing really special about us but god says i got a plan for your life. You know, my pastor used to always tell me that. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. One day it finally sunk in. God has a plan for your life. Are you following him? Mary here is hearing the news you know, the angel comes and just, you're going to be the, the mom to the Messiah. Think about that, you know. And so um, Mary, she asks how, and we read that next in verse uh, 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And, and of course, you know, um, Mary here, I think, is not doubting. Um, you know, Zacharias earlier in Gospel of Luke chapter 1, he asked, you know, the angel, well, you know, how can it be? Him and his wife Elizabeth are older, advanced in years, and they're supposed to have a son. He's going to be John the Baptist, the forerunner to the Christ. Uh, but Zacharias doubted. You know, and, and you got to be, again, the Lord is gracious to us. I don't want to overdo this, but you got to be careful in doubting God. You got to be careful. No, God, we're going to see later, he can do anything. Do you believe that? Do we believe that he can do anything? Nothing is impossible with God. And so, you know, Zacharias doubted. No, it's, there's no way. We're too old looking at himself. Mary right here, though, because God looks at the heart. God doesn't just see the content of what we say. He looks at the heart, what's behind it. So when Mary asked what seems to be a similar question, how can this be? I believe that it was just her kind of finding out in her wonder-filled faith. Okay, Lord, uh, how are you going to do this? How, how am I going to have a, a son who's going to be the Messiah since I've never been intimate with a man? You know, so, uh, so just an honest question. And then the Lord tells her how in, in verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. You know, again, Mary, um, I don't think she necessarily gets like all the details, but she gets what she needs to know, that... Um, 
nothing is impossible with God and what you are about to experience is all, all God. Now, I think that's important for us because I tell you what, that's what I want. I want all God. I want what God can do. I don't want what man can do. I don't want what Manny can do. I want it to be all God. And it's so beautiful the way that the Lord says, well, it's just, you know, the Holy Spirit, he will descend upon you. And when we read in the Bible, there's that power of the Holy Spirit. And it says, and the, and the, and the, the power of the, the Most High will overshadow you. Now, that's an interesting Greek word because that's in reference to the Shekinah glory of God. And so like the clouds in Moses' day or the transfiguration when Jesus was there on the mountain, there's this, uh, there's this Shekinah glory of the Father. And of course we know, and then the Son who would be within her it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's just a beautiful thing how the entire Godhead is involved in this. And so when you look at this right here, it's just so beautiful to see. We know the Father is the highest because although all three members of the Trinity are equal in essence and nature, they're not in function and office. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father is the highest. Now, whatever you do, don't get weird because there are some cults out there who teach that the Father had like celestial sex with Mary. No, don't believe what the Mormons say. No, we have to understand this. This is pure pregnancy. This is holiness in its epitome in that God, in that mysterious way, 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifested in the flesh and how God came and was born. You know, when you look at this right here, it's just a beautiful thing to see. Again, a mystery to us, but it was the only way that we could be saved from our sins. And to know, you know, the Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. You know, if you're here and maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're an atheist, and you believe that when you die, you turn to dirt, and that's it, there's no evidence for that. In your heart, in your mind, the way that you were wired and designed, you know, if you're honest, you know that there's more to life than this. And so the Bible talks about how that, you know, is, is designed inside of us. Eternity is placed in our heart. And so what happens after we die and what we find is that God has made a way through his son. It was the only way Jesus had to come, be born. He would eventually die for our sins on that cross. On his way to the cross, he would teach us the greatest words ever taught. He would do the greatest works ever done. He would experience the temptations that we ourselves will go through. He, God himself, would go through it. He would walk in our moccasins so that for the rest of our life, whenever we need help, the Bible says he can help us because he's been there. This is why God came to earth to save us in such a wonderful way. And so people will get saved, right? But, you know, one of the, the things, the puzzles, I don't know what you would call this. Uh, it's just a, a huge question I have. But, but, Lord, what will happen if the people of God, what will happen if the church it gets lazy? What will happen if the church becomes worldly? What will happen if the church would face with such a 
commission. You know, yeah, we're saved. Mary was saved, but now there's the commission. What would happen if God said, you know, Mary, you know, this is the plan. This is how it's going to happen. And then Mary, you know, thought about it for a moment and said, well, well, if I have a a child out of wedlock, you know, I I can be stoned to death because in the Jewish law, this fornication was punishable by by death and 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 this man that i love so much joseph this godly man if if i'm pregnant how in the world will he ever marry me he won't marry me you know and those things i believe i'll bet you almost anything she's counting the cost she's processing everything and there you know god tells her this is what i want you to do in life this is my life for you and then as you're there what ends up happening is Mary, you know, she has a decision to make. Uh, she could say no. She could resist. She could say choose somebody else. You know, I want to do something different. But it's just so beautiful what we read in verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, Christmas, don't get me wrong, it's all about Jesus. It really is. And I do pray that we would read these stories and take some time, you know, to uh, to just soak it in. You know, make sure that you're not too busy um, to do that. You know, it's okay to do other things. Like Henry said, hook us up with some tamales or cookies or, or whatever it might be, you know. But... Um, Make sure you you carve out some time, you know, to be meditating on these things. And I believe it's all about Jesus, but you have to be inspired by this young teenage girl back then who answered the call. And then I think of every mom. I think of my mom when she was 19 and I was conceived. She could have said no, but she didn't. And there are many, like every mom has multiple stories. Every mom does of those sacrifices that were made, of those decisions, you know, that, that you had to, you know, to make in order to be that mom. And it was kind of cool. After first service, uh, there was a gentleman who came up to me for the first time here at Calvary Chapel Almani, and he was telling me, you know, just, you know, with a sincere heart, how God had just definitely met him here. He found the church, but it just turns out that he was down and out and addicted to alcohol and things like that. And, uh, you know, he had really nothing left. He calls his mom and, you know, his mom brings him in and, and, and you know, God ends up using his mom to, to put him back on his feet and, and bless his life. And he just said, you know, what you're saying is true. I mean, but this is this is what moms do. Um, but I think in one sense, it's something that we all can do. You know, how God can, can use our life in, in such a way. But I think what we see from Mary is something that's, you know, important. Um, number one, notice how she knew who she was. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. You know, they may say things about me. They may think things about me. 
They may try to kill me, but I know who I am. I'm a maidservant of the Lord. You know, do you know who you are? Is that who you are? Are you a bondservant of the Lord? See, that's where it starts. First, you have to know who you are. You have to know who he is. I'm a bondservant of the Lord. The Lord is the one who calls the shots and guides my life, right? And then you have to know not only who you are and who he is, but then at that point, you just have to, we have to lay down our life. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the Lord departed from her. You know, when you read this right here, that's what God asks of us. But the cool thing about it and the amazing thing about it is this is not asking something of us that he hasn't first done himself. Right? He laid down his life there at the cross so that we can do the same and follow in his footsteps. And so I pray, you guys, today as we're studying the Christmas story, you know, that we would celebrate Christ. Man, thank you, Jesus, because of you. Um, I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know there are loved ones that I will see one day when I die. But Lord, along the way, Lord, let me have this heart. Let me have this heart to know who I am. I'm a bondservant of the Lord to know who you are and to truly lay it down. And so I pray that as a church, we would have that heart. There's different ways of saying no to the Lord. You know, um, sometimes it's hard to get people to church. That's one way people say no to the Lord. Um, It's hard to get people to read their Bibles. You know, that's one way I think people say no to the Lord. You know, we have this uh, daily devotional thing. And we're just going through the New Testament because, you know, we're trying to just encourage you. Again, hope you guys don't take this the wrong way, but I trip out on how some people don't read their Bibles. How can God speak to you? You know, that Bible is a living seed. It's a word that goes in and it finds a home in your heart and it blossoms and God speaks to you and there is the marching orders for your life. And so, you know, again, it doesn't have to be the New Testament in a year. It could be the Bible in a year. It could be maybe two years. But some people, they play Bible bingo. They're like, oh, I'll read there today and I'll read there today. And my encouragement to you is, no, don't do that. Ask the Lord to show you how to say yes, to be in church, to be in the Word, to be in prayer, and to be listening. Lord, how can I serve you? And whatever that is, whatever that is, you just lay that down at at the foot of the cross. Because, again, like I said, it began with salvation, and then it continues with the commission. What is it, God, that you have for me? And I think a lot of that has to do with our family as well as the flock. And then there is the submission to that commission. But remember, guys, remember, it begins with salvation. It begins with salvation. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, then my prayer is that you know, like the, the wise men would eventually come and give Jesus gifts, so to speak, that today you would be wise. Today you would give Jesus your heart. 
And the Bible talks about how he'll leave the 99 and go after the one. And maybe there's just one person here who you've never really made a decision to follow Christ. And today is the day where God is knocking on your heart and he's just saying, can I come in? Will you allow me to be your Lord and Savior? Do you believe in me? Have you ever made that decision to follow Christ? If you haven't, this is what Christmas is all about. This is the best way to celebrate Christmas. You know, he gave you his son, and so you give him your heart.